30 years ago, uh, Mr. Poe drafted me, a chubby kid, one out of uh, junior hockey, and gave me an opportunity to, to be a Washington Capital with Barry along for the ride and, and being with Barry in the American League, learning to be a pro, and all our, all our good times and bad times we went together really carved kind of the, the player I was and I think the person I was. So this for me is, a, is, a, is an unbelievable, I'm so excited to be here, to be with these people, again, to be part of a, a franchise that I was very fortunate enough to be part of that first group. And I take a lot of pride in that and where this city's come, where this fan base has come over these uh, 25 years since I've, I've been part of this group. Obviously, was here 25 years ago and played here, but then played throughout the league for the last 24 years. So every time we come here, it just seems there's something new. There's pride in, in just seeing the, the fan base and, and the hockey, how it's grown here too. There's the element of that pride that this organization has, has built hockey in Nashville and the people in Nashville have embraced this team and, and to see it grow, not just the city, but just even the fan base for me is, is pretty special. Welcome to the Gold Standard. That was your brand new head coach, Andrew Brunette, at the introductory press conference. Welcome to the show. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Michael Gallagher of Nashville Hockey Now. You can follow me on Twitter at MG Sports underscore. Uh, you are going to hear a lot from Roman Yossi, Barry Trotz, and yes, your brand new head coach, Andrew Brunette, today on the show. We've got them trying to describe and comment on the style of hockey that the Preds are going to play. What exactly is the Predators way? What exactly does that mean? I actually asked Roman Yossi specifically, how does he define it? I will let you hear that answer. And then we can discuss what exactly this Predators way is because there's almost this weird, what, what Andrew Burnett wants and what Barry Trotz has always done. And what Roman Yossi said kind of are all different things to some degree. So we're going to get into that. Uh, how exactly did this process play out? Uh, Michael, last last week on the show, you sort of explained pretty thoroughly before the press conference that, you know, John Hines kind of knew about this. There was a decision. Well, I actually asked David Poyle and Barry Trotz about that, and we we're going to hear from uh, them on both of that. And then, of course, you were talking with Andrew Burnett about exactly what his role is developing young players, how to mix in the old and the and the, and the young and sort of like which names are going to benefit the most from the uh, Andrew Burnett hiring. Uh, then we got some Stanley Cup stuff, some news and notes from the AHL, and one very stupid question I'm going to ask you about Preds fans uh, and, and what we should or shouldn't be saying, what words we should or we shouldn't be using moving forward. So all of that uh, coming up today on the show. All right. It's a big wind up there, Michael. I apologize. Um, now, this is where you have to say all the words with all the adjectives, and be the wordsmith that you are, because the gold standard is brought to you by Jaspers. <laughs> oh, do you want me to do the adjectives now? Do you want yeah. to run through all of them? I, you, I made a list. You have been threatening us with adjectives for weeks. I made a list. Here we go. Are you ready? Right, I'm ready. Astonishing, astounding, imposing, inspiring, magnificent, majestic, spectacular, stunning. Wonderful and wondrous. <laughs> Imposing, huh? Like, like you go to Jasper's and it's like Shea Weber standing there in the parking lot. Just, just very imposing. That's an interesting one. I like those. Those are good. 
Well, I'm using imposing a, a, in an adjective kind of way, as in like they stand out above most other sports yeah. bars. Or, or maybe they impose their will on other sports bars. They, they, they do. do that too. They just constantly evolve by giving you things like free parking and a free game room with an air hockey table that is second to none in the entire city. And that is intimidating to other sports bars. I don't think any other sports bars can really say anything until they offer free babysitting. (laughs) That's That's very true. Which legally, I have to remind folks that Jasper's is not offering. I'm just telling you, my kids are entertained in the game room so much so that my wife and I can sit and have a nice meal. If she wants to get something light and refreshing, she can. If I want to get something heavy and greasy and yummy and delicious, I can. We can get pizza and share that if we want to. And and we can get pizza that our kids won't eat so that we can just eat it all ourselves while they play in the game room. It is the next evolution of the sports bar. Go to Jasper's, everybody. All right. There were many distinguished uh, dignitaries in the in attendance at the uh, <laughs> at the press conference. Handful of players were there as well with David Poyle, who didn't really say a whole lot of anything because he wasn't asked any questions until very late in the process. Um, Barry Trotz did a lot of talking. Andrew Burnett did not do a ton of talking, but he took some questions afterward. Uh, Philip Forsberg took some questions. Roman Yossi as well. Uh, I just wanted to get your general sense of of leaving that room and sort of what the vibe is in the room. And again, I'm not I'm not doing that thing, so don't don't ask me about you know. I just want to get your general reaction to the conversations that were had, the answers, the questions. Andrew Burnett's first ever real press conference as a head coach, as a true head coach in the NHL. What was your... Yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of of when John Hines was introduced. They were trying to hype him up and talk about how great Andrew Burnett is and how they got this young, great hockey mind at the right time when it's their gain and everyone else's loss, so to speak. I also got the sense, too, that they they were wanting to talk about it but also completely ignore the fact that they kind of did John Hines dirty a little bit there. And, and what, what I, one of the things that I kind of took from it was at the end of the season, I feel like Barry knew he wanted to go in a different direction. So if that's, if that's the case, why not just cut ties with John Hines right then and there? And, and, and I, I had people tell me some things and I, I wrote this in one of my stories, like John Hines from, from everything I've been told knew that this was going on. He was kept in the loop. He was told, we're going to interview some coaches. This is the timeline. By the end of May, we're, this is when we're going to make a decision. John Hines, I don't know if they would have done this, but John Hines could have asked to have been released from his contract. John Hines could have, I don't know, leaked some information, did a radio show, did an interview here or there, and kind of let some of this out there that the Predators were kind of operating in bad faith on his part, but he didn't. Um, from everything I've been told, he kind of knew this was going on. He knew that they were they were interviewing people and stuff. So he, on some level, he had to have been okay with it. But it was interesting the way they they went about it. And I think Trot said that it, the three finalists were Spencer Carberry, Andrew Brunette, and Carl Taylor. Um, and he interviewed all three of them, and he was kind of des- deciding what to do and stuff. And he said, if if none of those guys, if I didn't have any of those guys, I would have been fine moving forward with John Hines. And I don't really believe that based off of what he was saying and, and everything like that. So so I, I wanted to play that audio for you guys, um, because I asked David, I asked a couple of things of David Poyle, and, and he he basically admitted to me that th- this this process probably did go on a little bit longer than we wanted or that some people would have wanted. They did say that. John Hines was involved in the pro like he was aware at least of the process taking place. Um, and I, I agree that, and I, and I'll get to the, how about this? Let's hear from Andrew Burnett and Barry Trotz. This was Andrew Burnett 
the new head coach talking about how fast the process took place. And then there's Barry Trotz giving an answer to a question I asked him off to the side about um, it, what what kind of collaborations were taking place, like how involved were other people in this? David Poyle, I, I specifically said, was this 100% Barry Trotz's decision? He said, absolutely 100% Barry Trotz's decision. He signs the check physically or the papers or the release papers or whatever. You know, I laughed with him. I was like, but you're the GM, right? You got to sign the paperwork, right? He's like, yeah, I still have to sign the paperwork. But everything was Barry Trotz's decision. Uh, here was Andrew Burnett and Barry Trotz on the process, how it unfolded. Uh, and then I'll respond to what you had to say there. They were speaking to some different people. And then when we got knocked out, it kind of escalated. You know, I didn't know anything to, to Jersey. We got beat out. And then a couple of days later, Barry called and, and things escalated pretty quickly there with some different teams. And, you know, when Barry calls, you listen. And again, kind of reiterated a bunch uh, again here is the relationship that we've had for so long. Obviously, he's a mentor, somebody I looked up to, somebody that was instrumental in my career as a player. Uh, you're going to listen to him. And, and to be able to grow with him, being you know maybe younger head coach i think that was a, a big allure for me and and somebody that cares about you you, you always want to be around every day uh, anytime that i've talked to anybody the, the great thing about the way we're set up uh, obviously david myself uh, jeff kelty uh, uh, scott and, and brian Poyle, all of us we, we we i sort of go over the day but i thought so everybody's informed uh, either through a zoom call or a uh, a conference call or you know us all being in the same place at the same time which is hasn't happened a whole lot uh, last month here but uh, we talk every day and, and uh, I would really go over uh, the likes and, and maybe my questions and my feelings on every can anybody I talk to be it a, like a coaching candidate or uh, someone from a from the scouting industry or whatever so that there's really a lot of collaboration and a lot of follow-up and yeah, you know, as David said, I there is a lot of hours went into you know the last few months. I don't I don't take this lightly. I don't take this higher. I don't take letting John go uh, lightly. I mean, that, the, I I was on the I was in the other seat uh, for a number of years, so I understand. And uh, you know, I thought uh, what they did, and all of them being under contract for another year, it also gave me a little bit of extra time. I know how. As a coach, if you're in, you got another year. If you're into your last final month, it's, it does make a difference. So uh, I try to to give them a, a, a def, defined uh, uh, sort of time frame. And I was fortunate that I was able to, you know, talk to Andrew, for instance. If his team is still playing, I might not even get that opportunity. So you know, then that that decision would have to be be made on on the hope by by doing what I did. I, I made sure I got my person. And uh, and if I didn't, I was John. As I said, I was very comfortable with John. So yeah, that Barry Trotz at the very end there, after a very you know interesting answer, basically just says, "Yeah, I was very comfortable with John Hines." If that's who I ended up with, and it feels like that part of the answer, um, especially with the perspective of being a former head coach who's been through these situations a number of times, I assume that the conversations were pretty open and pretty honest. But also, I, I, I mean, you just look at John Hines and say, yeah, like you're number four on my list. And at the end of the day, if I don't get any of these guys that you're going to, st I still want to go to the dance with you. Like, I, I don't know how John Hines says yes to that to some degree, right? Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious what his actual response was. I mean, he's under contract, so 
he, he could roll the dice, request his release, and then he could be out of a job and then not get another job in the NHL next year. And then he kind of maybe could screw himself over. But I mean, he kind of, I guess that, that was Barry Trotz. And I, I hate using the term bullying John Hines, but it kind of feels like that was Barry bullying John Hines into this is what we're going to do. And you have to sit here and take it. And you're going to be our fourth option. And if options one through three turn us down, then we'll, then we'll go with you. And, and it just, I don't know, something just didn't sit right with me about the way the process unfolded and how they described it. And, and two things Barry said in the, in that press conference was, I believe Alex Doherty asked him about when he thought making a head coaching change uh, should, should happen. And he said before he got there as an outsider, he thought they needed a new head coach. And that was before he officially joined the organization, which I believe was at the end of February, close to the trade deadline. So in the middle of the season, he was already thinking the Predators could use a new head coach, whether he was going to join them or not. And then he said, I'm trying to find, find the quote here real quick. Um, but basically, he said that he needed to go out and find the right guy. And he's like, so for me to let John go and then go look, it made no sense. He was under contract. I think he's a good coach, but I had to find the right guy and be sure on the right guy. Basically, you just said you needed to find the right guy, but you had the wrong guy under contract. But you're going to keep the wrong guy under contract until you find the right guy. And if you don't find the right guy, you're going back to the wrong guy. <laughs> Like this whole thing is it's it's circular logic and and I and I know like look I think Andrew Burnett will be a good coach I think that ultimately this was a good move but the way they went about it it just look it just looks so sketchy the so way they did I, here's the thing I, I I think using the phrases bullying and sketchy are maybe a little little strong for this it, I think you know I think the the words sort of disjointed. Um, inexperienced might be one I would pull up for Barry Trotz being on that side of it. Also, just bizarre because he's not officially the general manager, even though making David, people bust the thesaurus out today. Yeah, even though even though Barry Trotz is, according to David Poyle, making every single decision. David Poyle told me, "Look, we every decision we made at the trade deadline, every decision we've made since then, we have made it with basically Barry Trotz's approval." Um, which I think is the that right is thing which I think is the right thing to do. And you heard Barry talking about how much conversation he is having with all these different people at all times. I, I think inexperienced and disjointed, and, and I think clunky is the word that Adam used last week on the pod. I think that is a little bit more apt. I don't think that this was some like like truly nefarious evil behavior from Barry Trotz and David Poyle. I, I think it could have been handled better. Yeah, I, I'm no way saying that they right, intentionally right. set out to, to right. make this seem as as evil as possible i don't i don't think there was any any animosity in their hearts as they were doing this i think they genuinely wanted to do right by john hines but it's also it's also difficult and it also just looks bad when you have a head coach under contract and you're also interviewing other candidates for it's, that guy's job it's a little weird there's no question about it i think the cleaner this to me this is at the end of the day preds fans are excited and happy and should be about a new coach there's lots of reasons to be excited there's lots of reasons to have major questions and doubts about andrew burnett so like we can ask those questions sanely and logically and rationally while also looking backwards at the situation and how it unfolded and just being like okay it wasn't the smoothest process but at the yeah. end of the day, at the end of the day, if Preds fans wanted a change, they wanted to go more offensive, and we're going to get to that in a second. And if this is in fact the way to do that, with a new general manager and a new head coach, with with trading some veteran pieces away at the deadline to kind of create this hard reset, not a competitive rebuild, but a hard reset. I I think it's all okay. I you know, do we have some small complaints about how we got here? Sure, I'm okay with that. Uh, but it sounds like there was a lot of communication, a lot of collaboration, 
that Barry Trotz has made every single decision, uh, and and that if and when Andrew Burnett works, it's on Barry Trotz. That's it. Like it's on Barry Trotz. If Andrew yeah. Burnett, if Andrew Burnett works, it's on Barry Trotz. If Andrew Burnett doesn't work, it's on Barry Trotz. Which leads us. And I, I like that. I wanted to point out that I liked your your jab on Twitter. I forgot who you were who you were talking to, but <laughs> the, the number of people that have have come at me and said. It's David Boyle pulling the strength, not Barry Trotz. He can't officially do anything until July 1st. No. Technically, yes. But no. Barry Trotz is the one making all of the calls. From from my, my understanding from what I'm talking to people and what I've heard is that everything up until the trade deadline on March 3rd was David Poyle. Everything after that, it was Barry Trotz making the calls and David Poyle kind of signing off on it. That's how this is working. So I understand that David Poyle is the general manager. Barry Trotz is the senior consultant until July 1st. I understand that that's how this relationship works, but it's Barry Trotz calling the shots. And I did not mean to rhyme. So I'm sorry. <laughs> how about this? Instead of me telling you, I'll just uh, play the question. Here was me asking David Poyle who made the decision. And just to clarify, I want to make sure it's hundred percent Barry's decision both to remove John and to, Correct, yes. to bring in. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in, the, in name, I'm still the general manager, but I'm, I'm into my advisory position. I mean, it, like I said to Barry and said to the owners, the same thing, if we're going to make a change, we have to make a change. And so, you know, starting with the, the trading deadline, I mean, Barry was not uh, totally on, on board at that, at that point in time or whatever, but all the preparation, I'd already been talking to Barry about those things. So I mean, we collaborated with those decisions. I was not going to make any decision that was not going to be uh, uh, in the best interest of what his, his plan was going forward. All right. See, there you go. Like I just, I, he, he gave me a long winded answer, a very smart, intelligent answer about how he was involving Barry Trotz and then how Barry Trotz was involved in every decision. And then at the end of it, I just, that that's what I said to him. I just said, well, can you, can you just make it a, Yes or no? <laughs> and he and he gave me a very clear answer. So this is Barry Trotz's decision. And so Andrew Burnett is Barry Trotz's guy. And Barry Trotz's first major decision as a general manager ever in his career is the firing of John Hines and the hiring of Andrew Burnett. But could it have been handled a little bit better? Sure. Okay. I'm fine with that. Is it that big of a deal? No, John Hines is going to be fine. This is all about whether or not Andrew Burnett long-term is the right answer or not for the Predators. So with that in mind, there and, was a look. John Hines is the reported front runner for the New York Rangers job. Like this could end up working out better for it. Right, right, right. The Rangers, <laughs> Rangers greater sign than Predators right now, currently in talent. Uh, okay. So the the thing that like this is such a cringe worthy phrase to me. It makes me cringe sitting in I was sitting in the front row with you, and I just was like, I, I heard them both say it and I started cringing. And it is this predator's way. So here's what you're going to hear. You're, <laughs> so you're, many thoughts on this. You're, you're going to hear Andrew Burnett explaining how much he loves the predator's way. You're going to hear him explain what he wants. Like, how does he describe his style of coaching and what he wants to bring from an offensive standpoint? And then I had a chance to ask Roman Yossi specifically as a player, how do you define the evolution of the predator's way? How is it different 15 years ago than it is today in terms of where the game is going? And here's what they had to say. The style of hockey that, that this franchise played for so long, to be part of that again, um, obviously is, is a, uh, a feeling that, uh, you know, it just brings up so many different memories and so much pride. And I'm looking forward to growing in, and grabbing the predator way, the foundation that which this organization has been built on and continuing to grow that. Well, I think it, I wouldn't say I'm an offensive coach. I think my philosophy... Um, of how I see the game is, is I kind of want to dominate the puck 
and I want to have it as, as, as much as I can have it. And I don't want to chase around too much. So it's not really offensive. It's just more when you have it, keep it. When you don't have it, get it back as soon as possible. Where I don't want to defend. Um, I want to check and I want the puck back. So we, we have so many creative offensive players and I think the game's going that way that I want them to enjoy the game, to be a style of hockey that's enthusiastic, it's entertaining, and it's fun to play. And, and these guys are going to want to have fun coming to the or I want them to have fun coming to the rink every day because I think if you enjoy the game, you'll play better. And as a player, I know when I didn't have fun, I stunk. Yeah, I think the, the Bradys were always, always kind of known as a, as a defense first first kind of team and um, uh, and I, I think no like everyone wants to keep that you know what I mean like at the end of the day you got to play well defensively but I like what Andrew said I mean it's uh, it's it's about having to park right and having park possession uh, and not having to play defense but when we call to you you're gonna have to play some defense and I think um, especially in the past I think when when this team came in maybe um, Maybe this team wasn't the town, most talented team every year, and I think uh, the Predators always had to find a way to, to be competitive and uh, and play hard. And uh, I think that's kind of the Predators' way to 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 outwork the other teams. And uh, I think that's that's something we never want to lose. Okay, so there is some conflicting stuff when Barry. When you look at Barry Trotz's career, it's very much the old Predators' way, right? We're going to do more with less. Yossi kind of alluded to it there. We're going to do more with less. We're going to play really sound defense. We're going to have great goaltending. We're not going to score a whole lot of goals. It's sort of the old way of that we kind of envision Preds hockey, right? Pre-Peter Laviolette. Well, then you have Peter Laviolette playing a finesse game with lots of speed and talent, and it worked, and then it didn't work, and then John Hines was kind of in the middle. It, you heard Andrew Burnett talking about his offensive... Like, he doesn't want to be a defensive team. <laughs> they don't even want... He doesn't even want to play defense, according to him. I know that's tongue-in-cheek, but, like, he want, he. He wants to be a checking team that goes and gets the puck back, right? Defense is like Voldemort. You don't talk about it. And then I, and then, but then when I asked Roman Yossi, like, how does he describe it? Which again, he's never played a game for Andrew Brunette. So it's not fair to him to be like, what's the new system like? Never, never practiced under him one time. Um, and he sort, sort of describes like, we are always going to be a physical, tough team to play against, and we're going to always play great defense. And interesting from the guy that is one of the best offensive defensemen in, in the world to, to say that. But like, there's always sort of this eye on defense first. And I do think that a blend of Roman Yossi's skills, Andrew Brunette's, maybe let's call it on paper, offensive prowess, again, over four goals a game as the head coach for the Panthers as an interim, one of the best offensive teams in the Eastern Conference for the Devils this year, good power play, et cetera, et cetera. We, we think he's got some offensive capabilities. If you blend Roman Yossi's skills with Andrew Brunette's offense, it's this sort of commitment to toughness and sort of how he wants his teams to to defend. I do think there's a nice recipe in there, but I have no idea if that is what the, no, why we're so stuck in phrase the predators way. Yeah. So it, it is a very cringeworthy phrase. When, when Barry Trotz was first here and he was the head coach, the predator way was strong defense, excellent goaltending. And, and he even said this, the, the staple throughout the entirety of the Predators franchise has really been elite goaltending. When you, when you go to Peter Laviolette, that was the first time the franchise really kind of embraced offense and really kind of embraced speed and skill and stuff. Because Barry Trotz teams, the teams that he coached, they were very reliant on dump and chase. They were very reliant on being gritty. They were reliant on like taking the fight to you and trying to, to beat you into submission, get you tired enough to where they can maybe score a goal or two. Peter Laviolette was the opposite, where they're just flying down the ice. Everything's going all at once. 
And that, that was a lot of fun to watch until it wasn't, until the final year or two of Peter Levelet being here. Then you go to John Hines, who isn't quite Barry Trotz, but isn't quite Peter Levelet. He's kind of in the middle. I would say he's more defense than he is offense. But there, there is no predator way is what I'm trying to get at. Each head coach they brought in has had a different style, and they've emphasized different things. Peter Laviolette was very was more offensive-minded and play on the rush, go get the puck, take it to the other team, score, go to the front of the net, just get in front of the goalie and, and chip the puck in in the greasy areas. John Hines and, and the whole identity they talk about this last three years, which is why I don't think, and i said this so many times, and I feel like this is just more validation on this part, the way the Predators have played the last three-plus years under John Hines is not conducive to winning in the NHL right now. You're not going to go beat the Carolina Hurricanes. You're not going to go beat the, the Colorado Avalanche with the team built the way it is where the offense is middle of the road and then you you kind of had good defensive players and you have a really great goalie, but the performance is so inconsistent. So I think they need to scrap this whole Predator way. And Barry Trott said, he's like, I want to build a culture. I want our team to play faster. I want to play with more skill and learn. To me, that is, that's at least you're, you're, you're going in the right direction, which is what I think the fans want to hear. Right. But then he's also kind of going back to once you have that mindset, all the other stuff comes and like, get away from this predator way because the predator way isn't working. <laughs> Create a new well, predator way and just don't talk about it. Well, that, that, that's exactly right. Like uh, Barry Trotz has evolved. The, the game has evolved. Roman Yossi talked about how the game is evolving right before I asked him that question. They hired an offensive coach because the game has evolved. Like they can do a new thing and just not call it that way. Now, I think what they're going for, and maybe it's not landing, is sort of this we're still never going to lose who we are thing, right? We're never going to lose our identity of playing really smart defense with a great goaltender in front of Smashville. With like the like, it's it feels like they're just tr like we're gonna evolve. We want to be different. We're acknowledging the changes that are happening in the game, but like we're gonna do it our way too. Which again is if it works, is spectacular and great and wonderful and probably needs a different name. I agree. Um, so, so I don't. I that that part of this is funny. Now I will also say, going back to kind of the, the very first question on the show, which is what was my initial response coming out of the press conference and talking to these these two these people for the first time kind of in this setting was that you have a first time GM and a first time head coach you better be patient that is my very like my initial response is it 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 seems like this is a project and a process that Barry Trotz and Andrew Burnett are undertaking together and that it's there's not there's not the same talent as even the Florida Panthers last year on this roster to score enough goals there's not the same talent as the New Jersey Devils. They're not going to score 4.1 goals per game. That is not going to happen with the current roster because the players probably aren't good enough. And oh, by the way, you have a first-time GM getting players for a first-time head coach. So my initial response is this could all be great, but it's going to take some time. You better be patient. And yeah. that was that was my real feel. And then I hear them talk about offense. I'm like, that's great. On paper, you have a nice track record of offense. On paper, there's a nice farm system of, of forward prospects playing in Milwaukee. On paper, Barry Trotz has everything you need to be a, an excellent GM. Uh, on paper, there's a lot of great stuff. But it's all unproven, almost all together. The players, the GM, and the coach are almost all unproven. And, and we just need to see it all come together. And there's no way anyone can say definitively whether this is going to work or not. We don't know. We don't know. Yeah, and, and I wish, and I understand they're asked questions, they have to answer them. I wish they wouldn't have started talking about offense and, and almost like 
the complete 180 from what the team is now to em- emphasizing on offense, because what that does is that sets expectations. And once ex- expectations are already set, if you're not living up to them, whether they're realistic or not, that's when everything's going to go to hell. And I just, there, there's probably a better way to phrase it. Be like, yes, we're going to implement a different system. We're going to go with a different philosophy. We're going to change the things that didn't take the things that didn't work and change them and try new things to see if they work. There, there were, there are other ways to talk about this instead of throwing around. We hired an offensive coach who's built on speed and who builds the system on speed and skill, because that immediately makes people think that this team is going to be last year's Florida Panthers. And they're not, they don't have the talent level. They don't have the, the coaching, the same coaching staff. It's not going to be what the Panthers were last year. I think that's what a lot of people were expecting because Andrew Burnett did really well stepping up when Joel Quinville was fired to take the Panthers after I believe Quinville was fired seven games into the year to take them and go like 51, 18 and whatever it was in the first president's trophy in team history. And that, that was unprecedented. That, that is not, that is the exception, not the rule. And I don't think fans should expect that performance out of the Predators next year. And I don't think a lot of them do, but there are some that, that do. I, I would have preferred them to just talk about changing philosophy, changing the system, getting new players and stuff, and to talk about offense because I feel like now everyone's going to expect the Predators to score five goals a game next year. Uh, well, I so I think smart fans don't expect that, but I think it, it again uh, the word insular is the one that I always come that I always come to. It's like, well, the 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 the, the only general manager in Predators history hired the first and longest tenured coach in Predators history to be the general manager who hired the guy who scored the first goal in Predators history to be his first time real head coach. Like it's the most inside Predators way kind of thing you could ever possibly imagine. And if it, again, if it works, it will be the most important move in franchise history from Poyle to Trotz and from Hines to Brunette could be the most important moves in franchise history. If it doesn't, then it will be the Predator's way gone awry. And that's it. Yeah. Like Again, we don't know. Barry Trotz doesn't know the answer. Andrew Burnett doesn't know the answer. David Poyle doesn't know the answer. Sean Henry doesn't know the answer. No one on radio knows the answer. No one on this podcast knows the answer. No fan knows the answer. We are all going to learn together if this was the right decision or not. And it's not, I don't think that's like a hot take. It's just sort of reality. Common um, sense. And, and, com- and common sense, which brings us to the development of the young players. And I can't remember who asked it. I would give credit, but I apologize. I don't remember who asked it. But basically, like, how do you blend like a young player who is struggling or a young player who needs development? And we've talked about this ad nauseum on the show. Do you bring a guy up and play him fourth line minutes in the NHL and have him struggle? Is that how you build success and confidence? Is it is it playing on the top line in Milwaukee? But there's a lot of young players. One of his biggest jobs, one of Andrew Burnett's top jobs, Yes, is to maximize the veterans, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg. Yes, of course. But it is also to bring along a a large group of very talented young players. And this is what he had to say when asked about how his coaching strategy interacting with people will be used with the young and the old and that mix of his job. Well, I think, again, to to how I see things is I just want to try to get the best of all these guys. Um, regardless if they're young players older players i just want the best version of themselves and if they if they can if we can find a way to bring that out of them i think you could you could play any which way and, and we all know how our, how close our league is and if you have a little belief we talked a little bit about florida up there but even new jersey where they weren't supposed to you know be where they're supposed to be right away but there was a little bit of belief became contagious and 
being around the game as long as I've had, those are places when you get that, nothing else always makes sense besides having a group that, that cares about each other and the camaraderie takes you a long way. So, again, just in the early processes for me, trying to, to, to get to know the guys, to talk to all of them, see what they, how they feel and what they think, and trying to find a way to, for me, that's my job, to find my way to get the best of them. So, um, the blending, and, and for older guys, younger guys, I don't really look at it that way. I think it's a little bit of an organizational decision for a lot of it. Um, and... and I think, again, getting to know your player, get a feel of, of where they're at, understanding kind of why, if they are struggling, what they need and how they need it, I think is important. And that's, again, that's an organizational structure, you know, decision. For the, for the head coach, I think you're just trying to get the best out of your, can, you can out of your player. Um, and obviously, you want the best for him. And if it's here, great. And if it's, Barry talked a little bit about if he's got to be Milwaukee in an environment with the same kind of foundation that the Predators are built and the same um, vision that we have about being a team, uh, how to build, kind of doing things a predator away and, and, and a lot of different assets. It's only going to help them. I mean, I spent a lot of time in the American League, and if you're willing to go down and, and, and do the work, it's going gonna, it's gonna to extend your career. Now, everybody's on a different path. You know, coach in Jersey this year, we had a lot of young guys step in and, um, you know, had huge roles, you know, where they were, they came in and played. So till everybody gets on the ice, till training camp happens, I, I, those decisions kind of, you know, they figure themselves out. So I, I wanted to play that for everybody, Michael, to sort of give everybody like just sort of some insight into who the the, the person Andrew Burnett is, the leader as a coach inside the locker room. Uh, some interesting stuff there from him. I, I want to know from you, what who are the players that you think benefit the most from Andrew Burnett being the the coach? Is there a collection of young players? Is it the the veterans who have maybe Max go like who benefits the most from this? And what do you make of his comments about old and young players? Yeah, I, I think the three people on the three players on the roster that I think benefit the most right now are Tommy Novak, Cody Glass, and Yuso Parsonen, because that those could potentially be your one, two, and three centers for the next decade. Um, and I think we saw with Cody Glass at the end of the year playing in a top six role, playing on the top line with Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne. I don't want to say he thrived, but he he performed really well. And I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that Cody Glass is the number one center on this team next year. Ryan Johansson, like we touched on before, it, this is a prove it year for him. It, it, I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan Johansson was a third line center in this team. I, I do think Brunette will work well and he will get more out of Matthew Shane and Philip Forsberg and Ryan Johansson and Colton Sissons and the veteran players. But I definitely think it's the younger players that are going to be the younger forwards that are going to be, benefit the most from this. And if Luke Evangelista makes this roster next year, if Igor Afanasyev makes this roster next year, um, I don't think Joachim Kemmel, and I answered this in my in the mailbag I did for Nashville Hockey Now, I don't think Joachim Kemmel is NHL ready now. I would say by midseason next year, probably the earliest you should expect him, but I still think he needs a full year season in the AHL too. But Zachary LaRue, Fedor Svechkov, they're, they're eventually going to join Milwaukee. Like all of the young forwards, this, is, this was a hire that was made with those guys in mind because they are the future of the team. And I do think you need to have someone and, and Barry Trotz touched on this before. And I've heard this from other scouts and players or other scouts and people I've talked to around the league. Andrew Burnett is a player's coach. Players love him. They will play for him. You don't have to worry about him losing the room or anything like that. And I think that's something that is really good for this team because it's something John Hines never really had. And everyone talked about how great he was with developing forwards. We never really saw that. 
I don't think that'll be an issue with Andrew Burnett. I don't know if Andrew Burnett has the pedigree of developing players like John Hines did when he was hired, but I do think Cody Glass and Tommy Novak and Parson and those young guys, they're going to benefit the most from this because Andrew Burnett probably knows how to use them better than John Hines did. Yeah, it seems like there's two really major big jobs from an offensive standpoint, and that is maximize the veterans and develop the young ones. And again, all of his all of his conversations, all of the words that you use to describe him, not you specifically, but everybody, it's all about pace. It's all about speed. It's all about tempo. It's all about pressing. It's about forecheck, 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 turn the puck over, get, get control, and attack. D- does that fit Ryan Johansson's game? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe 24-year-old Ryan Johansson, not 30-year-old Ryan Johansson. So I think we'll have to see who fits into this. And of course you'd expect some house cleaning. It's it's a new general manager and a new head coach and a bunch of veterans have been traded. Of course you should expect some things to happen, which leads us... Go to Jaspers, by the way. And something, something that I, I thought was interesting, I want to get this in before we move on. Whenever you would ask John Hines about what he wanted from his players, what what kind of style, all that stuff, you would always hear responsible away from the puck talk about all this gritty stuff you ask you ask Andrew Burnett that and it's it's a, like a completely different answer he's he said he wants the players to enjoy the game he wants them to play a, a style of hockey that's enthusiastic that's entertaining and fun to play he's like I want them to have fun because when I when I played and I didn't have fun I wasn't or I forgot what the code was I'm butchering it but he he basically was saying it's all about having fun when was the last time we associated the word fun with the Nashville Predators it's been a while so I do think that's something that I, will be interesting to watch is if maybe Andrew Burnett is the kind of guy that can energize Ryan Johansson, that that can inspire him to play like he did two years ago. Maybe that's that's something that was also in mind as well. So I, I thought that was a little interesting. John Hines is more of straight X's and O's being defensively responsible. And Andrew Burnett's over here like, we're going to score a lot and we're going to have fun doing it. You know, had a lot of fun. You know, the first thing that comes to mind when I think of like the last time it was truly fun. And I don't, and I don't, I'm not, this is not like meant to be rude in any way to like any of the John Hines teams or the Laviolette teams or whatever, but like it's PK Subban. PK PK Subban is the embodiment of having fun while playing good hockey. And that was a long time ago. (laughs) That was when my daughter, that was when my second daughter was like a newborn. And that was like six, five years ago, six years ago. So um, we shall see. It's very interesting. By the way, go to Jasper's, I should mention. Go to Jasper's. If Barry Trot, if Barry Trotz and Andrew Burnett want to take the guys, the veterans out, have a little have a little powwow, a sit down, play some air hockey. Jasper's is a great town, great place to have. You know, it's a great place for that. Uh, those come to Jesus meetings. You know, those, those uh, hey, let's get to know each other meetings. Uh, what are you going to do for me? What can I do for you? Kind of meetings. Great place for Jasper's. Good place. It, for it almost just seems with the Nashville Predators playing in Smashville and Jasper selling a Smash Burger. There's some there's some sort of partnership there that they're missing out on. Well, the, they are a very proud, pr- proud sponsor of the Nashville Predators. So, so uh, I believe Jasper's, uh, they, they're all over the building. I'm, I'm pretty sure. So you got, you got to go. They, there's a reason that they are so con- um, uh, invested in Nashville Predators hockey and a part of this podcast, because they are your home to watch Nashville Predators games. There's no place. There's no, there's no question about it. Home and road. You go to Jasper's and you watch those, get, you watch the games. And we're going to watch this entirely new regime unfold every single night in front of our very eyes starting in October. It's going to be fun. Uh, But one of the things you wrote about, and we'll go more into depth into some of the prospects as we get closer to the draft, because we're a couple of weeks away from the draft here. Um, As we get closer to that, we'll dive into the prospects a little bit more. We've given you a primer a couple of weeks ago, but I I wanted to ask you a question strategically at coming off the press conference and how to improve the roster and the strategy moving forward, because Trotz 
and Brunette now have to pair together, right? You've got the new system and his role as a coach to try to develop the players. You've got Trotz who has to go out and make moves. He's got a boatload of draft picks. And there's a variety of different ways you could do that. The three big ones, of course, are free agents, trading, and the draft. We've gone through ad nauseum the potential trade possibilities with UC Saros and a number of other players. We're, I'm not going to ask you to rattle off a list of free agents they should go after. It's not a particularly great class. But one of the quotes you have on Nashville Hockey Now is that they they could swing for the fences, quote-unquote, in the draft, and he wants four top players in the next two drafts. Barry Trotz wants four top players. So I guess my question is, is, is there any reason to think that the strategy moving forward to improve the team uh, is is almost exclusively focused on draft. It's not trading pieces. It's not trading UC Soros. It's not signing a big free agent. That it is almost exclusively about just stockpiling talent in the next two drafts and letting them grow and develop, right? Or am I wrong on that? You're mostly right. I wouldn't say it's exclusively focusing on the draft, but I would say it's probably 80-20 draft and then the other 20% coming through free agency and trades. Cause I do think, and, and I asked Barry about this and I think John Glennon and, and Chase McCabe also asked some similar questions too, about uh, kind of the strategy going forward with acquiring talent. And he spent in typical Barry Trotz fashion where he'll take eight and a half minutes to answer one question <laughs> and my arm shaking and I can't hold my phone. And it's just, he's, I, I'm, I'm going to have to get used to that again, but um, he, he took the, he took the long winded way to basically explain kind of how they're approaching this. And, the sense I got is they are very draft focused right now and for next year, having multiple first round picks, wanting four top players out of the, out of those two drafts, 13 picks this year. And I wrote about this on Nashville Hockey Now about um, kind of what they could do with those 13 picks. And he said he he told the scouts he wants to take some swings. And he said if, if they're going to strike out, he wants them to strike out taking a high end guy. He wants guys that are players that are going to get people out of seats. That's going to be difficult at 15. There are a few players that I that I put in my story right there. Spoiler alert, Gabe Perot is the guy they should go after if they stick at 15 and he falls. Um, but there are a couple other guys that could fall to them. And I think the, the thing that makes sense, and I've been hearing this from a few people, is I do think that Matt Vemishkov is someone they're targeting. And if he should fall past pick number five or to pick number five, you have two first-round picks this year. Two first-round picks, I believe it's in 2025. You have 13 picks overall this year. You have some prospects that you could you could dangle out there. Like Within the first 83 picks, you have 15, 24, 46, 47, 68, 79, and 83 overall. I'm not saying trade all of them, but you could, you could use a bulk of those to move up into the top five or into the, the five yeah. to ten range and get someone like Mishkov because he is that kind of franchise changer that I do think is, is – I think that's something they're at least talking about. Not officially reporting anything, but I have heard yeah. some whispers that, that that is a possibility for them. Or if Leo Carlson happens to fall, or if, if anyone in the top five happens to fall past five, I do think they have enough draft capital to move up into the top ten. And I think the last time there was a, a trade in the into the top ten, I believe, was like 2008 with the Maple Leafs. Well, and it's interesting. You know, it'd be great to have him on the roster in 2026 when he's eligible to come over here after his KHL contract is over. But he's a very, very, very talented player. I think what's yeah. more, I think really it's more about like he, one of the quotes in that story that you wrote was 
I can go get third and fourth line guys all day. <laughs> like I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. He's like, an expert I, at it because his first and right. second lines when he was a coach were third right. and fourth line players. So he's going for, he wants four, what I take to be top six players, maybe a top line defenseman. So what whatever combination of players that means. But to me, it means they're focused. Again, if we've got a weak free agent class and there's not a ton of cap space, but you got a boatload of picks it makes it and and you want to stay competitive enough that you have to keep UC Soros. It's no brainer. You just go stockpile the yeah. farm system. You develop the young players, and you, and if you want to, you don't need all thirteen picks to be good. You need the one or two elite guy, like he's talking about. And if that's worth be, taking a big swing on, then go for it. And I actually totally agree with with that strategy. So go check, yeah. go, check out, go check out the story. And by the and and you don't need to go too deep into this, but. Mitchkoff is just one of them. We'll spend a lot more time once we get closer to the draft on actual names yeah. that we look forward to. Like, hopefully they'll go up and get or target or whatever. So, and the and the other part to that question, I, I said I believe it's eighty percent draft, twenty percent free agency and trades. I, I do have another story coming up on Nashville Hockey Now either Wednesday or Thursday uh, this week um, about the other part of that equation and stuff. And and Barry did say that. I don't know the, the specific quote I have in front of me, but he did say he doesn't anticipate them doing much in free agency because it is a weak free agent class and he doesn't see anyone that really adds value to the team in free agency. And then he talked about how the Dallas Stars got Jake Ottinger and Jason Robertson and Miro Heiskin and all in one draft. And he said that is kind of the standard that he's putting the scouts up to is like that. And he also did say, I don't want to give all this away because I want to go read the story when it's up. But he did also say, that there have been offers made to the Predators from teams that are up against the cap to take some players to relieve some salary that they, I don't know who they are. He didn't say, he didn't elaborate, but he did say he has been offered. Uh, Vancouver. Yeah. He did say he's been offered trades like that. And he, he, those are the trades he's looking for. And I I have a couple of players I'm going to name one that Predators fans are very familiar with. Uh, But I do, I, I do have a story coming on that too. I do think that is a possibility. He could go to a team. I don't want to give away a story, but it's it's just it's it's so don't it's such it. information. Don't, don't, don't do it. Save it. Save it. Save it. Yeah. So that, that is something they're 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 pondering too. They he, they could go to a team that is up against the cap. They could get a good player because they do have a lot of cap space, and they could also potentially get someone that isn't just for like a year or two. Because that's something he said too. He said he's looking for trades with players that have the term that is favorable to him. So there's there's a lot that goes into all this. Here's the deal, Michael. You take some time, write that story. Next week on the show, we will dive into free agent targets trade possibilities, cap casualty situations, all that good stuff. We can dive into all of that. That That is perfectly wonderful. Uh, so save all of that. We'll talk about it next week. Go to Jaspers, everybody. Um, all right. Uh, AHL, uh, sadly, the Milwaukee Admirals. Uh, my only real takeaway is that this was an extraordinary experience for all these young players to get all of this opportunity. They were down two games to nothing against Coachella, the Valley Firebirds. Uh, they were down two games to nothing. They fought back. They were down two goals to nothing in game six, down three games to two. They fought back to tie it at three. They give up a goal with about five and a half minutes to go in the third period. And of course, Coachella advances to the AHL Calder Cup trophy. They'll play the Hershey Bears uh, in the AHL. I don't really have a ton to add other than, you know, excellent experience for everybody involved from the goaltenders to the defensemen to the coaching staff to the players, the forwards. You know, Afanasiev scored a big goal in game six. Uh, you know, I think uh, Sherwood scored a big game tying goal in game six. Just just a great experience for everybody. And hopefully every player maximized that ability and that that experience and that opportunity. That's that's basically all I've got on that. So, 
Yeah, I've, I've got a couple takeaways. I'll make them quick. I think Joachim Kemmel, from what he showed, he could be that first homegrown elite goal-scoring top six forward. The Predators have had a hard time finding it. They may have, have stumbled onto something with Kemmel. Afanasiev had five goals in the postseason. Evangelista had four goals. Evangelista had 15 points. He led the team. Um, I, th- I think Evangelista has a good shot of making this roster next year. Um, Devin Cooley against Coachella. Coachella was the third highest scoring team in the AHL in the regular season. Devin Cooley had a 2.29 goals against average and 916 save percentage against them. I do think he has played himself into a position to at least be a backup on an NHL roster next year. It's not going to be a Nashville because they already have their two goalies, but I do think Devin Cooley ha- has kind of helped himself with, with his postseason run. And I think the last thing too, we've talked about how the Predators, and I still don't think they have a blue chip defensive prospect, but I think Mark Del Gaizo is probably the best of their defensive prospects that they have. 12, I think he had four goals and 12 points in the postseason. Yeah. I think Mark Del Gaizo is probably, Spencer Stassi is right up there too, but I th- do think that Del Gaizo is probably their best defensive prospect they have right now. I, I enjoyed tracking the race and watching Milwaukee, uh, but I can't, I am, I'm, I'm okay not having to watch a, a giant chocolate bar and a music fest have a championship round in, in uh, the AHL Calder Cup trophy. I'm glad, I'm glad they got the experience, and it was fun to track. Uh, let's move on to Vegas being up two games to nothing on Florida. The, the Cinderella story is over, right? Ve- Vegas has got the championship, baby. Uh, I don't mean to put a, a nail in the coffin too soon here because teams can come back, but they were dominant in game two, pretty darn good in game one. It looks like Vegas is on an absolute mission here. Yeah, it's 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 going to be so hard to beat Vegas. They're just so well-rounded. They have a really good roster. They have a lot of they have a lot of good scores. I mean, Jack Eichel was finally looking like the player that we all thought he would be. Marcheso, Stevenson, Mark Stone, Carlson—they have so many double-digit point scores in the playoffs. Um, and I and I think too, Florida was a nice story, but we always—I at least in my opinion—I always felt like they were kind of on borrowed time. It's like, okay, cool, you beat the Bruins. Good feel, feel good story. Okay, you beat the Maple Leafs. Feel good right, story. Right, right. Now they're in. Now they're in the Cup final, and it's just kind of like the, the. This is who to quote Denny Green. This is who we thought they were. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it, Vegas is 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 all there. Um, I've got one really giant, dumb question, and this this started at the press conference, and in part, this is her job. So, no hate to her because her job is to have like interesting and thoughtful and creative moments of, especially on social media as part of the marketing team. I think it was Emma. I'm not sure um, who else was there, but there was a lot of Encanto references, Encanto references to Andrew Burnett. If you don't know the main song, if you don't have children, then you don't know the main song, but it is like, we're talking some of the great, greatest music in the history of Disney movies. Okay. We don't talk about Bruno is the is like the main just banger off that soundtrack. Okay. And I heard I think it was I think it was Emma saying, Oh my god, they're so I, I heard her talking about this. Like, oh, they're so who's gonna who's gonna start calling him Bruno? Who's gonna start calling him Bruno? And then it started taking and then people started doing it. A buddy of mine, I think, asked ironically in a text thread today, Michael, while we're recording. He goes, So we call him the Pred sketch the new Preds coach Bruno or no? And it was like ha ha ha, because he was like kidding. It wasn't real. So here's my response. If you Preds fans want to call Andrew Brunette Bruno, I don't give a shit. Have a great day with it. If I hear one media member in a professional setting 
refer to Andrew Brunette as Bruno to his face, I will destroy you on this podcast. <laughs> now, now, maybe nobody cares about that, and that's fine too. <laughs> but, but if I hear Chase McCabe, love you, dude. If I hear you refer to him as Bruno to his face during an interview uh, in a professional setting, that's the end of our friendship. That's it. I don't want to hear any. No, I don't. I'm a big, you don't use nicknames. I don't think you should even call him coach. You should call him Barry. You should call him David. You should call him Andrew because you are a professional doing your job interviewing these guys, men and women. The, the social media team, fine. Have fun with whatever you want to do. We, we just saw what the Titan social media team did on Broadway. It was brilliant, right? The Pred social media team has always been very, very good, very talented, executing a lot of fun stuff. I, just, I don't, uh, fans can do whatever they want to. I don't want to hear a single media member call this man Bruno. If it happens, you're dead to me. Yeah, and if there's one thing we know about the national media, they will take something that was kind of funny one time and run it, absolutely <laughs> drive it into the damn ground. The whole, if you don't know, you do know thing. I am so tired. I still hear that. We vibing. We we vibing. It annoys me. Like, yes, something's funny once, maybe twice, (laughs) three times. You're pushing it. After that, just stop. We are grown adults working in a professional business setting. Don't do it. And like, and yes, the Pred social media team is kind of the exception, but also like totally fine. But also like, don't don't kill it. Don't take something and run it into the ground immediately. Like, do it once or twice. Let the summer happen, and then maybe do it again when the season starts. Like, also. you're but it's, have not, to... it's not like it's not like anyone's out there calling John Hines Heinze or calling Peter Laviolette Lobby. No. Like, no, Chris you, you May... never do that. So, so no reporter should be calling him Bruno. Chris Mason calls me gallsy and, it, and Hal Gill does too. It drives me nuts. But like, I'm not going to tell them no because they're like co. They're like you know they're peers. They're guys that I I respect and they're funny and they're they're just they're just doing it to like bust balls. But at the end of the day, like here's the other thing: you, you can tur- you have to turn it around because the song is you don't talk about Bruno. When in fact you want everyone in the NHL talking about Andrew Brunette, so you're gonna have to turn it around. You have to redo the song somehow, and I don't know how you get the rights to a, a Mickey Mouse movie because that's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to. It's hard to. They they take that trademark stuff real seriously. <laughs> so uh, I think you can come up with some funny stuff. Just I agree with you. The social media team can do it. They'll eventually. It'll eventually get driven into the ground. But like if you are in the local press corps, radio, TV, print, blogosphere, don't care. Whoever you are, do not refer to this man as Bruno. Do not refer to this man as Coach. Frankly, his name is Andrew. You can call him Andrew because that is his name. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't. I never understood why people think that was taboo. And Dion Sanders made a huge ordeal about this like two years ago with Nick Sussman when he called him Dion, and he was like, "No, you refer to me, but you wouldn't call Nick Saban Nick." And he's like, "Actually, I do call Nick Saban Nick." Like that is your given name. That's what your parents named you. What else are we supposed to call you? Like I. Let's get rid of all this, this, all this crap with, with what media members supposed to call people. Like your name is Andrew Burnett. I'm going to call you Andrew. End of story. Yes, I think calling someone coach or by, or by a hockey nickname, which generally ends in a little Y. I I don't like it. It's not my thing. But hey, you do you. Go to Jasper's. That's all I want you to do. Go to you call him Bruno all you want if you go to Jasper's. Okay, just yeah. Just, Go to Jasper's like a hundred times. You call him Bruno. I don't care. And Christopher Martell can attest. Never call players by their nicknames because bad things happen. <laughs> if you don't know that story, you get at Chris and he'll tell you. But yeah, he lost his credentials because of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and that's that's absurd. But like again, nicknames are for people in the locker room, employees of the team. 
that's fine. Maybe after a player's retired, if you've known him for 25 years and you're that close with him, fine nicknames outside, off the air, off the record, but in a professional setting, no nicknames, no Bruno. It would make me cringe in the locker room when I hear people call Pecorine Pex. It's, it's not, if I'm having a beer with him and we're playing golf, yeah. Okay, fine. But guess what? Pecorine has not asked me to play golf with him recently. So there you go. If he does, I want an invite. Sucks for me. (laughs) Right, right, right. Sucks for me. Uh, I've heard some amazing, here's, here's an Easter egg for all you Preds fans. I've heard spectacular stories about Pecorine on the golf course. So just going <laughs> to leave it at that. Just going to leave it at that. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Uh, check out the Gold Standard Cocktail. They got a great menu, great, great happy hour, great place for dinner, great place for lunch, great place for business, great place for the kids, free parking, free game room. It's awesome. Uh, obviously, Preds fans, we're all going to find out together about how this new regime is going to work. So Barry Trotz in. Andrew Burnett in new era of Predators hockey begins in October, and we're going to have all kinds of great coverage for you all summer long. Nashville hockey. Now, of course, where you can find Michael's work. We've got tons of stuff coming for the most important draft in franchise history. This is one of the most important off seasons in franchise history, if not the most important. So don't go anywhere. Please rate review and subscribe. We do appreciate it for Michael Gallagher. I am Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. This has been the gold standard here on the 440 sports network.